Welcome to the Grip City Golf Podcast, your source for new information, insightful interviews, and good old-fashioned banter about golf in Portland, Oregon. Today's episode is presented by Brink and Brown Sanitation. Introducing the hosts of Grip City Golf, Andy Dirt Johnson and Eric Peterson. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in episode nine of the Grip City Golf Podcast. After a hiatus, my vacation in Hawaii, I have returned with sunshine. You are welcome. Andy Dirt Johnson, Eric Peterson. What's going on, EP? Hey, brother. Good to see you. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a good time in Hawaii? I had a wonderful time, and it's Hawaii. It's the best place on earth. I played a little golf out there, so that was pretty badass. The conditions were unreal. I think I've I've determined I'm a hot Bermuda grass golfer. Like that's that's my that's that's it for me right there. If I'm picking my conditions, give me some heat, give me some Bermuda, and I'm dialed in. It's a little hard to get used to around like hitting those little chip shots around the green because your club will stick a little bit differently than it does in grass around Portland. And also it it just sort of checks differently around the green. Did you find that that took a little while to get used to? 100%. Yeah, it totally does. I have a little experience with it golfing down in the South from time to time, but it's when you're not used to it every single round, it is a a much different feel of just the way the golf club kind of grabs in certain spots, especially in the rough and all that. I just, I love the feel of it. I love walking on it. I don't know why it just, it feels different. It feels good, man. <laughs> it's funny because most people, myself included, I it took me a long time, like living in Orlando, it took me a long time to get used to that. And, um, I, I initially didn't like it at all. And you're saying that, okay, so it was a little bit hard to get used to at first, but you actually prefer that surface. That's not very I'm common. Preferring the grabbing baby. Let's go. It makes it a little more challenging. Loving the lies. Come on, man. We need, I'm going to, I'm going to build a golf course. I'm going to win the lottery and build a golf course in the Portland area and import all Bermuda grass and just grow it and be the one standout course in the area. You might have to set up heat lamps. That's stuff. Yeah. I, I think that, that part of the reason why you liked the Bermuda grass so much was really, you just loved playing in sunshine. Yeah, that, that helps a little bit, right? And hey, the weather's here, dude. We finally got golf weather. It took us until basically the end of June. It's almost the 4th of July, but we finally have golf weather. It was like a light switch, man. It was like the LIV tour. It went from we're never going to see the light of day to the light switch flipped, and all of a sudden it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I got a round of golf with a buddy I'm playing on uh, on Sunday out at Stone Creek, which I'm excited. I haven't been out to Stone Creek in a while, and I... He was, he texted me joking the other day. It was like, uh, looking at the weather, like, are, are we sure we want to do this? It's going to be 97 degrees. And I was like, whoa, we gotta, we gotta pump the brakes here, man. This is the first heat we've had in how long we can't go from bitching and complaining about rain and cold to now it's like, ah, is it too hot to go play? Uh, yeah. You give me 110 degrees after the winter we had and the spring we had, I've made one adamant statement and I've, I've, I've decided this. Zero complaints about the heat golf for me this summer. Zero. No matter the conditions, I'm out there on the course. So let me ask you this. Would you rather play it when it's 54 and raining? Like, let's not say just pouring rain, but let's just say kind of a crappy day, 54 degrees. Or would you rather play in 110? Give me the heat. Give me 110. Instead of having to like figure out, do I need to put rain gloves on? Am I taking my jacket off? Put my jacket on. Rain pants. Umbrella up on the on the click gear. That's not a good. F- I I played too many of those rounds this spring. I'm I'm ready to be done with that. I, I you give me 110, I'm all in. 
And at least when it, and I agree with you, and I, it feels like at least when it's really hot, there's a lot of options to be more comfortable that are, that actually feel really good. Like you can pour some ice water on your head. You can for sure like drink some cold beer. Whereas when, <laughs> when it's cold and rainy, <laughs> the things that you're doing to like, you kind of describe like the rain gloves and the grips and the towels and all that stuff, you have to do all this stuff, but it's not really fun to do that stuff. Right. No you're doing it out of necessity. Whereas at the other end of the spectrum, when it's too hot, it feels really good to do that stuff. That's a good point, man. Dumping a cold bucket of water on your head after like yeah. 15 holes. It feels amazing. Yeah. And you can hop on a cart. It's not that bad, right? Like if it's too hot and you don't want to walk 18 holes and get that sweat going, just jump in a cart. You're good yeah. to go. It, it's pretty amazing that when you left for Hawaii, it was crappy weather. And when you were taken off, you were probably thinking, see you later. Get me out of here. (laughs) And then when you, when you got back, you haven't seen a cloud since you've returned, right? Not a cloud. Perfect. And now it's supposed to be really hot this weekend. I erased all the clouds. I brought the heat back. So you're welcome, Portland area golfers. You can thank me for that. Speaking of, I want to I want to pick your brain on this. We got a lot to get to on the podcast. We'll talk with Charlie Klaus coming up in a bit of spark golf. I want So something happened this week, and I, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but I wanted to throw this at you. So this week was the summer solstice, and the abandoned solstice just happened, where the guys go out and play whatever, you know, many rounds and holes as you can, and they started, I think the first tee times 5'10". Yeah. But you obviously, I mean, you worked at Bandon, you know that event. It's kind of a bucket list thing. Like, I'd love to try it, like a like an Ironman competition for us golfers. Like, walk me behind that. What was the abandoned solstice stuff like for you? It's a spectacle for sure. And it's funny you mentioned bucket list because when I was interacting with sports writers and content people who were visiting Bandon when I was there, one of the just common phrases that a lot of sports writers would use to describe Bandon was that it's just one of those bucket list type places that everyone who loves golf has got to go to Bandon Dunes. And I've found myself kind of nicely correcting them that Bandon Dunes isn't a bucket list in the sense of you do it once to check it off a list. You know, you think of a bucket list as skydiving or something crazy that you wanted to say you've done it once, but you probably don't want to do it any more than one time. Whereas Bandon, and I, I would assume you'd agree with this, that Bandon's a place that you want to go this year, you want to go next year, you want to go the year after that. <laughs> right. So I, I, I used to sort of try to get them to pump that back a little bit and say, Bannon is not a bucket list kind of place. It's a place that you want to go every year. The reason I mentioned that is because the Bannon solstice is a bucket list thing. You want to say you've done that once and you probably don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> Although the people who do do it, most of them do it every year. So kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but for me, I've, I've never done it personally. What I have observed of the folks who do that, when you see them at 510, like you said, the first tee time, and then you see them again at 910 or whatever time they finish, like literally 16 hours of straight playing golf, they are (laughs) really tired, man. And I don't know if I would want to put myself through that. It's just a crazy wild day. It's one of those, just another little wrinkle that Bandon adds to the golf experience, that epic kind of feeling that you feel when you're on property. And they got great weather for it yesterday or wh- whatever it was a couple of days ago. And it was windy. I heard, I had a friend who was down there playing in it, but he survived, he made it and he loved every minute of it, which might seem <laughs> kind of crazy, but now wild. for, for those who don't know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe from what I've heard, the first round you pay for the second round's 50% off the third round's free. And then they pay you for a fourth round. Is that correct? Yeah. You get a hundred bucks if you play the fourth round. Oh so, God. 
So that's how they price. So that, that, that's actually just a general rule that they have. That's not like the solstice price and how that's just a general rule. So most people who have been to Bandon, they've played that second round in the same day. And you know that it's half off very few people, but some people have played that third round free. In fact, well, kind of an insider tip. uh, And I've done this several times now that I'm back to being a paying customer there. Um, (laughs) Your first round is full price. Your second round is half off. And then your third round could be the preserve. And we've done that multiple times where that one's free. So you set it up preserve round at say like 7.30 or eight o'clock, whenever you're done with your 36th hole, get some time to go whatever, grab a beer or a hot dog real quick, and then go out and play the preserve until it's too dark to play. So that, that ends up being kind of a fun day. And that's more common than obviously the solstice event or playing four rounds in one day is just totally nuts. That's a great idea to get the preserve out of the way in the evening. Cause if you're going to walk that third round, I don't know if you could handle a full length course. And so to go do the preserve, that's, that's the most, and, and what the third, the preserves, what 13 holes, right? Yeah. So it's a short, I mean, obviously a par three, so it's already shorter to begin with. It's fewer holes. That's a great idea to get that third round in. Let me ask you this. What's the most holes of golf you've ever played in one day? It's probably just those like 36 and then preserve. So somewhere in the 49 hole range is where your, yeah, your limitations I mean, are a par th- at a par three course. Like it's not really, it's not really 49 holes, but yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably it. I've never played 54 in one day. Have you? I haven't either. No, I've come close one time on a golf trip to central Oregon and the last 18 holes got super loopy and we ran out of sunlight. I think we ended up playing 11 or 12 holes, something like that on that third round. And then you just, round. and thankfully we ran out of sunlight. Cause I don't know if I would have been able to walk again after that, after so, all those so holes. Imagine then how tired you were after that many holes. Imagine if you had finished that third round and then gone back for one more full 18. hole round. It's crazy. In the first two rounds, it should be noted. The first two rounds of those 36 were carted rounds. I wasn't walking. Oh, wow. So it was, and then you walk the fight, you know, it's like we're sneaking onto a course and they don't have carts available. So let's go get as many holes in as we can. But yeah. I can't even imagine like I'll play 36 down there at Bandon and you wake up that next day, your feet hurt, your legs hurt, yeah. your sides hurt. Like pl- thinking of playing four rounds of golf and one day, especially in some, in some heat. Oh God, man, that's just so much pain. We should tweet this out and get somebody on who's played in the solstice event before to tell us what that experience was like. Like I said, I have a friend that just played a couple of days ago and, and also just over the years, know quite a few people who have played it, but it'd be fun if there's anyone out there that's played in it, that has a story to tell I love that, dude. How many pairs of socks are you bringing? How many pairs of underwear are you bringing? What are you eating throughout the course of the round? Like, I, I got so many pictures. questions, dude. I saw some pictures that they took from their day, you know, to kind of capture it. And he was wearing a different shirt in multiple photos. <laughs> like, at what point do you say to yourself, okay, I need to change my shirt now? You have like, to, man. You know, abandoned. Like, it's not like you're sweating, but you're just tired. And so you feel like a fresh shirt will give you energy. Maybe. I don't know. 100%. That's the insider trick. Whenever I play 36 is at least a change of socks and you, oh, I want socks, sure. socks. You have to change every single round just to feel fresh, kind of that dryness on your feet. I can't imagine not changing those out this round, but I saw that this week and I wanted to throw that at you. Cause you obviously have the, the inside knowledge from your time at band and dunes. Um, we also have another, just one other housekeeping note before we get rolling officially here on the podcast. And that is my hardworking, uh, co-host here on this podcast has created a website for grip city golf. And you tweeted this out. So you can go check this out at grip city golf on Twitter. If you want to get a look at it. Uh, but we, I think that kind of makes us official, man. We have a website now that you can go access our content and take a look at a summer calendar of events. We're yeah, dude, we're website official. Every, <laughs> every new thing we do, we can say that we're 
blankety blank official. And now, now we're website officials. We have a website. <laughs> it was actually really simple to, to put together, to be honest with you. And when you look at it, you'll notice that, yeah, it doesn't look like <laughs> a lot of work was put into creating this. But one thing, and you, you mentioned it, Dirt, that you and I both was, it was sort of the reason we wanted to have a website because, you know, we've got Twitter and, and ways to interact with people, email and whatnot. To some extent, we didn't really see the need for a website. But one thing that you and I wanted to provide a place for is local events that our listeners can have us post their events on there. So we can kind of be a town hall of sorts for what, what tournaments are coming up in the local area that people might find interesting. So if anyone out there has any events that either you're running or you're involved with, whether it be a charity scramble or anything else, let us know. Just visit our website, click the local events tab, and there's a contact us button at the bottom. Send us those details and we'd be happy to put it up there to promote it for you. Dude, I love that because there's so many great events and so many great tournaments that happen in the area. I know I've played in a, a ton of just random tournaments you get the invite to and you end up having a great time, whether it's a scramble or whatever, whatever format. I know the Cleveland Alumni Golf Tournament's coming up for us here in a couple of weeks. So little stuff like that I know is a part of all of our, our golf communities. So I love that angle on your end to put that in there. And so go shout us out and check that out. And if you got an event you want us to pub or mention on the podcast, hit us up on the website or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, is it just gripcitygolf.com? I should probably know the website of my podcast, but is yeah. that it? Is that what it is? Yeah, man. We own okay. it. We own I think it. Once we, once we blow up and we can sell the URL and, and uh, you know, put it back in the coffers to use to go play golf or something. <laughs> I needed to be in like a, one of those Danica Patrick GoDaddy commercials. We own that website, baby. I love it. Gripcitygolf.com. Go check us out. Uh, obviously, the big news here locally golf-wise is that we are a week away from the tournament that nobody thought was going to happen, then, oh, God, the field's not going to be good, to, holy crap, there's some pretty damn good golfers coming to play at Pumpkin Ridge in one week. I mean, as we've highlighted on the on previous podcasts, man, it, it's been a roller coaster up and down of, of just thinking, how is this going to go? And then you get the latest announcement of Brooks Kepka joining up, and that was a big deal in the golf world this week. But I just how, how are you feeling, man? A week out, the, the LIV is coming to Pumpkin Ridge. We're going to be out there doing some stuff. So we'll bring you some content next week. But how are you feeling a week out from this thing kicking off? Yeah, dude, I, I don't know if my opinions really changed with Kepka joining. I still kind of have just the same thoughts and feelings in, in my head and heart about it. I don't necessarily side with a lot of people about the reason it's bad is because of Saudi money. I just feel like their tentacles are in so much stuff in the United States already that I don't know why golf should be singled out or, or there should be a double standard for that. But that's kind of the political part of it. Right. I'm more interested in a sports event in Portland, right? And a golf event in Portland. You know, here we are, we've talked in the past and actually Peter Jacobson, when he was on, we, we talked about the likelihood of a US Open ever coming to Portland. And he seemed to agree with our belief that it probably won't happen anytime soon. And now here we are. It's not a U.S. Open. It's not a PGA Tour event. It's not a Corn <laughs> Ferry event. It's this mythical other weird thing that is all of a sudden at our doorstep. And I am like to answer your question about my thoughts on the, the event being next week. I'm excited to be out there to see what the energy is like. You know, I've been to a lot of PGA Tour events, a lot of major championships, and there's a certain buzz in the air at those tournaments that sort of like you sort to of start to expect that if you go to a golf tournament, a, a PGA tour event, the look and the feel of it is a certain thing. And I know it won't be close to that in terms of the, the energy, mm -hmm. but I'm interested to know, like, 
all the things that it that it is you know does it i've heard that the london event was well run and just in terms of the logistics and things like that and the the shotgun start like being on site that was a little weird for people to observe but i've heard that the tournament's well run um i like so i'm interested to see like how that plays out at pumpkin ridge they're obviously very experienced at hosting the corn ferry event and so in terms of parking and and moving people around and things like that they they know how to do that um, but I'm just curious to see how, how it all looks and feels and how many people are going to be there. That's another question I have. Are there going to be protesters outside the gates like Martha Burke <laughs> at the Masters or, or right. Antifa downtown? I, there's all just these kind of weird things that we've never had something like this before in Portland. And so there's just a lot of things that I think remain to be seen that we won't truly understand or know about until we're actually there. Yeah, your point on Pumpkin being able to host an event like this, they, they know what they're doing. They have the space, the facility to make it kind of a, a seamless event. And so in that regard, there's not a better place to hold an event like this in the area. And that's why I think anytime we talk about golf tournaments coming to Portland, Pumpkin Ridge is always the, the first one that comes to mind. But I, you know, I, I, as you mentioned, you haven't really changed your opinion on it. I, I kind of feel the same where... I feel like in a week or two, I mean, not in a week, because we'll just be kind of getting going, but maybe in two weeks, the LIV stuff is going to be a bit old news for me. Like, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to pay that much attention. There's going to be guys that announce and jump from the PGA Tour, and that'll be a ripple in the news, and then you kind of move on. Um, yeah, Ultimately, I'm just, I go back to the, I'm sad that the leagues are kind of splitting, and we're not getting the best in the world <clears throat> week in and week out on the PGA Tour. That's the ultimate bummer for me. But I think the, the cool aspect of it, and again, to your point, I'm not going to chastise anybody. You can feel however you want to feel. If you want to boycott the event, if you don't want to watch, if you don't want to go, or if you do want to go, you care, you're excited, like you can feel however you want. I'm not going to tell you how to feel. Having top golfers in the world come to Portland is such a cool and unique thing that I'm, I'm willing to, at least for a couple of days, kind of block out all the other outside noise and have a chance to go see Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and Patrick Reed and Sergio and all the Bryson, like all these guys that you would never in a million years think could come and play at a place like pumpkin Ridge. Like I've played those courses a million times and now I'm going to get to see Bryson play on a, or Brooks play on a course that I know well, and I've, I've parted that hole. I birdied that hole. I, you know, like I know not, that not layout. From tees, you didn't not do. from those tees. That's very true. And they have, I remember every time I'm out there, they show you the, you know, from us amateurs or whatever, a year's pass and you'll play with members and they'll say, Hey, see about 150 yards back. That's where tees were for those kind of tournaments. So in that regard, I'm excited to see what the course looks like, but I, I think in two weeks, this is going to be old news for me and I'm just going to move on because not to sound like a golf purist, I just, I don't view it as real golf to a certain extent, like a three-day tournament where there's no cuts, it's team event. Like that to me, isn't a real golf event. Like there was a guy, I can't remember the name off the top of my head that finished, I want to say in their opening tournament plus 32 and he won $125,000. Like that to me, isn't real golf. Yeah. The intrigue is getting to watch guys who were at the top of the profession or have been at the top of the profession play at a course that I know that I've played and to be in my backyard. Like that, that's kind of a cool and unique experience that to your point, I'm just, I'm excited to go check it out and just see what the atmosphere is going to be like and what the layout's going to look like. And just seeing guys play a golf course that I played. I joke about that all the time at local courses. I'll be at like East Moreland, like, Hey, what do you think Tiger Woods would shoot here? Like those kind of things. Like, and now again, the tees are much further back. I understand that, but seeing them on a course that I played is it, it's cool and it's unique. And I'm excited for that aspect. Yeah. Well, and think about 
sporting events in general or like people who have been to the masters, like the reason you go to a lot of big sporting events is because you know, it's going to be fun and you want to be a part of that. Right. Whereas with this, I want to go not because I know it's going to be fun. I want to go because I have no idea what it's going to be like. <laughs> no like, clue. <laughs> and that mystery is what is so interesting to me. And again, I go back to my mind thinks about the players who are playing in it. The, you said the lines they're going to take off the tee or the scores they're, they're going to shoot. The way the tournament kind of feels, you know, again, going back to just the, uh, that feeling you have when you're on site at a, a major sporting event. Um, I just feel like some of that is like, we don't know because it's, there's never been one in the U.S., so this, and it's only the second event that they've ever even had at all. And so there's just so much newness to it that I just want to go see what it's all about. And like you said, in a couple of weeks, it'll probably sort of like ride off into the next town. You know, it's kind of like a circus, the circus is in town and then it's gone. But, <laughs> That's a good um, analogy. Yeah. I do think that we'll have more to say about what it was like once we're there and everybody can have their opinion, like you said, about the money supporting it. But I'm more thinking about just what the, the golf event is going to feel like. Yeah, as a golf fan, I'm not going to support the league. And it's, you know, I don't know, maybe part of that is the money and the backing and all that. But mainly it's because it's on YouTube and I don't, I don't view it as a real golf tournament. It's, a, I, it's I, an exhibition. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And so I, there's all sorts of tentacles of that of the official golf world rankings that we've talked about and how is it viewed and can they play on the DP World Tour? Like all those things are still to be figured out. But I, I think for us, the unique angle is seeing guys play at a course that we've all played and. I will shout out a friends of ours because I was in Hawaii kind of just scrolling on social media one day and our good friends at Northwest Golf Guys just had their event at Pumpkin Ridge and I was laughing my ass off because I'm watching their Instagram stories and seeing all these guys go through and I mean the the scaffolding is up the bleachers are up they had players in their tournament at a Northwest Golf Guys event having to take relief like PGA Tour players (laughs) from hitting it in the scaffolding and just kind of moving their ball like that's it was a funny kind of you know I don't know collision of two worlds of this big conglomerate of Saudi golf coming in and then you also have a Northwest Golf Guys event going on at the same course a week and a half separating each other. Cool. <laughs> That'd be fun to create a like a national amateur tour where you follow the PGA Tour and you get to play it the week after the PGA Tour event was there just to get to play it with the grandstands. I just want to play with the grandstands to get me some relief occasionally, man. Like yeah. I'm going to play those bank shots into the stands. Like, Hey, this is my miss. I'm just going to w- wail it over that way. knowing I get free relief. I, I've played some courses that had grandstands set up and I have thought, man, that shot would have been so much worse. If I know the course <laughs> kind of when it has grandstands and it doesn't, it was like, man, that would have been so much worse if there weren't grandstands there. And here I get to take a drop. So the yep. tour players, that is one advantage of playing on the tour where the conditions are actually easier than when you would play it ordinarily. It's going to be wild. Hey, let us know at Grip City Golf on Twitter. Uh, just, I mean, where are you going to go? I've had some buddies that have reached out, you know, like, hey, have you found tickets? Could we, you know, how are you going? All that kind of stuff. So I'm just curious where are golf fans at? And I know you're free, you're free to feel however you want to feel. I'm not going to chastise anybody on their opinion. If you want to boycott it, that's good for you, man. If you want to go, good for you. I, I don't care. I'm not here to tell people how to think and feel. And uh, it's coming next week. So it's going to be here before we know it. Hit us up on Grip City Golf. Uh, and let us know. We got some stuff that I want to uh, close with, including something we're doing as a podcast in a couple of weeks that I think is going to be fun. That's a little trial and error. We'll see how it goes, but we'll get to that in a bit. You also have a but why for us on this episode that will connect to our guest. But uh, before we bring him on, let, let's just kind of set this up. So, you know, Charlie, he is the co-founder of Spark Golf, which is a, a national golf league that's included in Portland. So how do you know, Charlie? How did this all come about? Um, because I, 
I had never heard of Spark Golf before until we started doing this pod and, and you kind of set him up to me. Yeah. So it's funny, back-to-back episodes of my old buddy from the Golf Channel, but I worked with Charlie at the Golf Channel for a number of years. He was in sales and he broke off on his own a few years ago to start this golf league. And it's a national golf league, like you said, but they have a presence in Portland and it's still relatively new. And we'll let Charlie get into the specifics of the timing and the courses and things like that, but it's relatively new and it's not backed by Saudi money. So they're not coming in for like a takeover of the city. They've just been kind of one, one foot in front of the other, kind of more like our podcast, right? You start small and they've just built it and it's built really quickly actually in Portland and, and beyond. So Charlie's a really good friend of mine over the years, similar again to Will, like most of our conversations about college football. For people that don't know, college football is kind of a big deal in the South. And so um, <laughs> if we're not talking about golf, we're talking about college football. But um, Charlie's an awesome guy. And the story about how Spark Golf League came together and what he's trying to do in Portland is, is really fun. So I'm excited to talk with him. All right, Eric. Well, that's a perfect tease. And let's bring him on. Uh, Charlie Klaus, the co-founder of the Spark Golf League. Charlie, first off, man, thanks for hopping on the pod. I, I just want to start like Eric was kind of setting it up before we brought you on just a little bit about Spark Golf, what you guys do, what it looks like. Like, let's go all the way back to the intro and where it began. How did this start? How did you create it? And what was the thought behind the Spark Golf League? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me on the pod. Really, I mean, we it was started by uh, four co-founders, and uh, we three of us had golf industry experience. We worked in the industry for a long time, and the third or the fourth was our CTO who built the tech product, who is actually a two handicap, really good golfer. And we four got together and wanted to do something new in the golf space. And at the at that time, this is back in like 2017 golf was on, on a decline. It wasn't on the kind of like hot trend that it is now after COVID. And really the thing that was working the best was Topgolf. Topgolf probably had like 10 or 12 locations. And we really liked their kind of less traditional, fun, like open to everyone kind of atmosphere and wanted to recreate it on the green grass golf facility. And, and, th- and that's where our expertise was, was dealing with, uh, with, with golf courses. And we really settled on what became Spark Golf was a, it's a golf league company. So we started a nationwide golf league platform where we went to pretty much every city in America, started talking to golf courses, had them stand up leagues and went out and got players and started playing with them. And we were able to do it because of our CTO built a great tech product in, in the Spark Golf app which really runs the entire thing. So you find leagues near you, you sign up for leagues, you pay through the app, um, you show up at the golf course and the golf course knows you're coming. They get you on the course, you keep scoring the app. There's live leaderboards, skins, everything. It really runs the entire league. And from a business perspective, it's great because it it keeps us lean. We've only got eight full-time employees now and we're running over 1200 leagues across the country. Wow. So which (laughs) courses are you at in Portland, Charlie? So we're at 13 in Portland. Um, I can give you kind of the I feel list. Like every time I talk with no. you, there's more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, back when I think you played in the original one, there was it was really just East Moreland was kind of the only one. So it's it's definitely grown. We've got now Charbonneau, Colwood, uh, Glendavere, King City, Merriweather National, Stone Creek is one of our better ones. We actually have two at Tri Mountain. We have both a Tuesday and Thursday week there. But um, yeah, there's 13 across the city. We're pretty strategic on the courses we want. We, we want to be able to get, you know, ones that are kind of spread out to where they don't cannibalize each other, but then also gives you a, the ability to play different courses as well. 
So how, is there like a certain roster and a certain amount of people that are showing up on a regular basis to this in the Portland area? Like how many golfers are we talking? Yeah, it really depends on the league. I would say like Tri Mountain's one of our better ones. That's why we have two there, but they're getting, you know, 20 to 30 a week. Same at kind of Stone Creek. We actually have both a Monday and a Wednesday there as well. But there's some smaller ones too, where it's like four to six, but uh, usually it's in the like 20-ish range on a weekly basis. And the best part about Spark Golf is unlike kind of traditional leagues, it's very flexible. You don't have to play every week. You, you can play on your own schedule. It's a long season. The way our standings work is we take your best 10 rounds. So like you just really have to play 10 rounds within like a kind of a 20, 24 week season. So it's real flexible and in, in to whatever people that work. And, or and people you can that go in it. and just play one week, say, not that you'd want people yeah. to just do that and not that anybody would want to do that themselves, but that to me was the barrier to entry to get in. It, it's so approachable, like you said. I mean, there's a lot of leagues that are kind of just mom and pop run locally at the course level. But the one thing about a lot of those is that you got to like sign up at the beginning of the year and play in a bunch of events. And if you miss the sign up date, you're kind of just SOL and see you next year, right? Whereas your model is more like, hey, you can come in whenever you want and it's really easy to jump right in. Yeah, you could sign up for the, the last round of the year and play. And, and, and wouldn't affect it. So it's more, uh, it's more like you can kind of think of it as Spark Knights at XYZ Golf Course that you know that there's going to be other people there playing the same format you are and having fun, drinking a couple beers and, and going home. I love that idea. So if, if you like if somebody wanted to come join a league or start a league, like did they just reach out to you like, hey, I got 12 people, 16 people. We want to start something up or we want to play at X course. They just they just go to the, the website and sign up. How does that work? Yeah, so we have we have golfers reach out to us and do do that. It's more the other way around. It's more golf courses reaching out to us and wanting gotcha. to stand up a league. And then we kind of go get the golfers together. But yeah, if, if we don't have a course that on our platform that you want to play at, I mean, definitely reach out to us and we'll reach out to the golf course and have that conversation to hopefully stand up a league shortly. So we were going to talk about, you know, after we wrap up this interview and, and a, a question about why some people are nervous about playing in kind of tournament settings or with people you don't know, like how, how important do you think that is in the golf world to kind of break some of those barriers down? Because I know for a lot of folks, it's almost like you got to rip the bandit off the first time. Like, Oh God, I'm yeah. kind of nervous. I don't want to play with for money or I get, you know, shaky. Somebody's watching me hit this tee shot. We all know the joke when you hit one on another fairway or another tee box and you got to go hit while they're waiting to tee off that kind of nerve that goes into it. How big is that kind of breaking down that barrier for run of the mill golfers? You think of like, this can be fun to play for some money, have something on the line and have a little competitive juice going with it. Yeah, it's, it's super important. And uh, we talk about it every day internally with us because we are open to all golfers, uh, male and female, good golfers, bad golfers. I would say the average spark golfer shoots in the high 40s. I mean, so the, we're bogey golfers, you know, uh, I mean, shooting 48, 49, 50. And it's, it's interesting to watch the people mix, like good golfers playing with bad golfers. And we're, we're trying to create a brand that kind of puts off a vibe of like, hey, everybody's welcome. Where we don't, there are some prizes, very small amounts, but it's like, we're not playing for big money here. It's like, it's okay. <laughs> we, and we have players that don't even keep score. They just show up to have fun and like, they're not even there to really, I mean, play in the competition. But then obviously, like you said, like, there, it's it's fun watching the transition of a beginner golfer becoming a better golfer and then getting into the competition and they like to get those juices flowing. Charlie, do you find that they're, they're also not very serious, even the players who are good, at, like better players, that they kind of bring a mindset of more of like backwards hat, untucked shirt, Coors Light type of golfer 
And is that something that you feel like helps you guys kind of differentiate from some of the other golf yeah. leagues that are more like tuck your shirt in, put everything out, kind of more serious? Yeah, like going back to the genesis of the company, I mean, we want to be more of like the top golf golfer, which I mean is, yeah, shirts untucked, backwards hats. I mean, definitely drinking some Coors Lights um, <laughs> out there and, and take just taking it easy. I mean, it's, it's golf. We got kind of like our mantra is like, it's just golf, right? Like, relax. It's nine holes after work. And if you need to be play by the rules more and have more competition, like there's other tours out there for you to go do that. We're just trying to be kind of the, the run of the mill after work golf league uh, where people have fun. Next time uh, I, I jack one into the other fairway and the people <laughs> approaching me are like, Hey dude, what are you doing? Come on. I'm, I'm going to say, dude, it's just golf. Relax. Yeah. We're, we're Relax. just having fun. Okay. <laughs> my hat's backwards. My music's playing. Why don't you calm down? It's sunny outside. How many cities nationwide are you guys in? So we're, we're actually in a hundred now. So we've got 1200 wow. leagues across a hundred cities. Um, we're actually, we're in USA and Canada now. So too, we're in Ontario and Alberta and British Columbia as well. I'm actually amazed yeah. that Charlie had time for our little podcast he's running a hundred cities and he's like, yeah, I'll come on the pod and talk with it's, you guys. That is an insane number of golf leagues in cities. Like, so on that note, like I just getting, picking up from what Eric's saying, it sounds like you guys have grown a ton. Like we're, do you, do you have a site of where you want to be in two, three years, five years? Like, where do you see this thing going for you? Yeah, I think, I mean, our, as a company, we, we're very focused on bringing people together to play golf. And so we do that right now with our golf league product. Um, but we'll, uh, we have a vision of doing um, other things as well. Like we could be, we could offer a more competitive product for the competitive golfers. We could do more weekend stuff and like 18 hole type events we're actually starting to do stuff off the golf course. So at like simulators or top tracer ranges or top, even top golfs, we're just, we're, we're trying to stay focused around the mantra of let's just bring people together to play golf wherever that is, but I'll always keep it a little loose and fun and, uh, and have a couple of course lights. <laughs> I love it. You and Eric must play a lot of golf together, drinking those course lights out on the course. Well, Charlie's more of a Charlie's more of a Bud Light guy, being from St. Louis, and so I think he's just saying Coors that he likes Coors Light, you know, just to just trying nice to appease you. He's yeah. coming on your podcast. He wants to play I, nice. I'm always, always going to be partial to Bud Light, but I would say living in Florida now, I, Coors Lights are everywhere. Like, <laughs> Dur's more of a truly guy, which all that's fine with me. But I'm if the mountains are blue, man, I'm I'm all about it. <laughs> I mean, it's the same variation of the, of the drink, right? I mean, we're talking a light. You just, you just, as long as you're not giving me like an 8% on the course, that's the only, like, it just get, keep it light. It's hot outside. As long, Coors Light, Truly, I feel like they're in the same family. Bud Light, I feel like it all comes under one umbrella. Truly's are good. What about Nooners? Nooners are great. Nooners are solid, right? It's a good play right there. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> you got anything else you want us to ask about, Charlie? Anything else you want to tease or pub? No, I would, I would just say uh, for your listeners, if you're interested in trying Spark Golf out, just go to our website, spark.golf. You can click find a league near me, put in your zip code, and you'll, you'll see all the leagues we have around you in Portland. That's badass, man. So they're growing. There's a ton of leagues around the Portland area, some courses that we're all familiar with. I'm playing at Stone Creek this weekend, so we know the course as well, and it's really cool. I guess it's just one of those things that doing this podcast with Eric, I'm learning all sorts of stuff. He's like, Hey, you ever heard of spark golf? I'm like, no, I have no clue what spark golf is. And now you hear about it. It's like, this sounds like an awesome thing. So thanks for jumping on the pod, man. And uh, continued success. This was a lot of fun. Awesome guys. Thank you. Well, you learn something new all the time, man. That spark golf stuff is uh, it sounds amazing. I love the idea of more golf tournaments. We've, we've talked to Travis, obviously at Northwest golf guys, different angles, having fun, getting people together, 
league, the league aspect of it, the team aspect of it. I just, to me, those are all positives for the game of golf. And you, you know, I mean, our, our motto on this podcast has kind of been, let's have fun. We're, we're, we're playing golf. We're outside. Weather's Relax. nice. <laughs> Finally, the weather's nice. Relax, have a good time. Like, I don't know. I just, all those angles of it, man, I think are really cool. And that's why uh, when you told me about Charlie and what he was doing, I was excited about it. And I think for our listeners, if you haven't played in them, you haven't checked them out, go check them out at Spark Golf and, and go play in one of their events. It's funny you mentioned Northwest Golf Guys. I was thinking about them as he was talking because Northwest Golf Guys and there's other opportunities for people to play on Saturdays and Sundays, but Charlie has found their niche in the Monday through Friday stuff, which there's a lot of demand for. And we're now at a place in Portland and a lot of cities now where competitive golf for all skill levels that can be played seven days a week, like clear your calendars, people, you can find a game. And I think that that's pretty fun that the niche that they've carved for not only the just relax, have fun, you know, Charlie kind of talked about backwards hat and untucked shirt, kind of breaking down the barriers to entry to golf. So they're doing that while also doing it in a way that kind of fills that gap between the weekends, right? So you can play after work during the summer. I mean, we all know how, how much light there is after work during the summer out here that you can go play after work and fit it in and knowing that it's a very approachable environment where you don't have to sign up before March one for this, for the six month season, you could jump in literally just on a case by case basis. And yeah, I played in it um, a couple of years ago and it was so fun, man. Like it was so <laughs> chill. And the app that Charlie talks about, he kind of played it down a little bit, but the app that they used to, like he said, run the whole thing, is so well built. It's it, it's well run. It's well designed. It handles the scoring. It's a machine, man. It's not pencil and paper and turn in your scorecard at the clubhouse when you're done. It's like it all happens right there. And then when as soon as you finish and you you're playing in a match against someone, and as soon as you close out the scores on that ninth hole, the last hole of the day, all the money and all the skins you won is just calculated all right there, and it just goes into your account. He didn't get into like the inner workings of how that app works, but it is so cool how organized it all is and how seamless it is. And like, there's just money in your pocket if you, if you want some skins and it's kind of fun that way to have instant gratification. Very true. The, the app stuff is, is awesome. That, that is so cool that they set that up. The technology is there for it. You want that immediate live leaderboard look and where am I at? How am I playing? That kind of adds to it. So that's really cool. And we had a, a we were talking with him as we kind of wrapped up that interview off the air. And he told us an anecdote to connect it back to the LIV stuff we were talking about before we brought him on about a kid that he knows from Clemson. Now he knows, but just a, you know, friend of a friend kind of situation, a, a college golfer at Clemson that was struggling a little bit and was approached by the LIV tour. They sent him an email and asked him to come play. And he said, yeah, I'm struggling. I, you know, I don't want to go to Q school and all that kind of stuff. Got a check for, what did he say, $2 million in his bank account from LIV, shows up at the first tournament and wins $150,000. I mean, you just think about some of these kids who are earning life-changing money. I mean, that's kind of the, for all the knock against some of these guys for why would you want to go play and how could you take that money? Like for a 20-year-old kid or 21, however old he is, not certain on your future on the PGA Tour, will you make it? How long will you play? The grind that it's going to take to get there. Here's two million bucks, and you're guaranteed to not miss a cut and make 150k. Like that, that's really hard to turn down for some of these guys. I would imagine that the main reason why any player on the LIV tour is moving over, it's for the money, right? Maybe a little piece of trying to be 
involved in the, ch- in the changing landscape of professional golf, but a big part of it is the money. And it's interesting how that same mindset applies. It's just as strong for those folks who are like the example that, that he talks about and you talked about of someone who is kind of trying to find their way professionally. And here an option is presented to them where they can sign a deal with them and also be able to, to win money by the each tournament. And maybe that is the thing that springboards into him, into him having a PGA tour career, right? He goes on and plays against the Brooks Kepkas and the Dustin Johnsons of the world and realizes that, yeah, I can hang with these guys. And as we all know, golf is such a big part of it is the mental side that if he can get a boost of confidence from it, that maybe that'll springboard him into bigger and better things on say the PGA tour. So yeah, there's so many different ways that people justify jumping over and playing on this tour. Again, it all goes back to the money. It'll be interesting to see, like, as we look further on down the road, how many guys, their career and their life, the way they're able to provide for their family has changed for the better because of their opportunity to do this. It's just crazy, man, all the different ways that this impacts people, it impacts the industry. It's pretty remarkable. It's hard to, I mean, you, you put it in context of everybody's specific industry. And if I told you, you can work uh, far less and make quadruple the amount of money. <laughs> like how, how many people in the radio industry, in the insurance industry, no matter what it is, like, hey, Dirt, instead of doing a show five days a week, you got to do a show two days a week and I'm going to quadruple your salary. Like, eh, it's going to be pretty hard to say yeah, no to, right? Seriously. Like, oh, five day weekends. Okay, I think I'll sign up for that. That sounds and, pretty good. And until that, <laughs> offer is on the table in front of you. It's hard to say truly, honestly, 100%. how you react to that, right? Whereas all of a sudden it's like, wow. So if I sign this, you're going to give me the, all that money and I'm going to do that. That It'd be crazy to be in that moment. Yeah. It's a lot easier said when it's not a realistic offer for you. Like I used to think about that in a, in a much different anecdote about, you know, the Tiger Woods stuff when his personal life kind of unraveled you know, you know, circa cheating on his wife and sleeping with all those women. And I'd hear guys say, how could you do that? How could you It's like, well, okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's one thing to say that when you don't have the most beautiful women in the world throwing themselves at you constantly. I get it. You want you want to think that you would have higher standards than that and higher morals than that. And I applaud you for that. But you don't know how you would respond to that situation until you're in that situation. Yeah. Um, so we, I brought it up there with Charlie, the, the, but why for you this week? And I kind of like the angle, but you have one kind of tied to playing in golf leagues, the nerves that come with it, the, the trepidation for people playing golf. So I'll let you throw out your, but why for this week? Yeah. My, but why this week, I want to know why most golfers first reaction to playing in a competitive environment, even if there's net money involved, their first reaction is usually no. I don't want to do that. It's with people I, I probably don't know. They're probably going to kick my ass. There's no thought put into exactly what the format is a lot of times. The, the answer is no until you sort of learn that, okay, it's actually really approachable. Like I would imagine that Charlie or any or Northwest golf guys, one of the reasons why people don't play in more of their tournaments is because they think they're not good enough. You hear that story of like the USGA with the handicap system. One of the, I think it is the number one reason why people don't get a USGA handicap. It's not the money. It's all about, they don't think they're good enough to have a handicap. 
which you and I look at that and say, that's just crazy. Like you, <laughs> right. handicap can be really high. It doesn't matter what your handicap is. Yeah, you could have um, a 27. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. And so I just wondered why, like mentally our minds, when it comes to a golf competition, just reflexively immediately is, I don't want that. You don't necessarily just jump into stuff like that. I, I'm curious if you've ever had that feeling where someone invites you to a tournament or you have an opportunity to play in something, have you ever found your brain immediately going to, no, I don't want to do that because I don't think I'm good enough? I 100%, 100%. And I think it fits with golf. Like I used to be this way with golf where I would play and you play with buddies and you think you're good or maybe you're having a down upper town week or whatever. And you get invited to go play in tournaments. And I used to have that initial reaction of like, God, no, I'm not going to go play in that. That's good. Who am I going to play with? Where, you know, what time are we teeing off? Yeah. Is there going to be people that are watching me? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want that anxiety in my life, man. Like, yeah. I'll use the analogy of like, I feel like we're all this way in like middle, like first middle school dance. And you're like that awkward kid standing on the outside and like somebody's trying to get you to come dance. You're like, no, 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 I can't do it. I'm yeah. too nervous. I'm going to yeah. make a fool of myself. I don't like and, this song. No, I don't like this song. I'm going to stand over against the wall. And then you finally, you know, you, you get out on the dance floor and you're like, oh, it's kind of fun. Like people you, aren't you, laughing at me. You, well, and you realize that everyone's a horrible dancer. Right? Exactly. Like you're just <laughs> exactly. So like when you brought this up, that was my first thought of like, we're, I think people who are on that side of the fence and I used to be one of them. You're that awkward kid standing against the wall in middle school. And all you got to go is do is go move to the middle of the dance floor. Because I remember I used to have people invite me to Northwest golf guys events. And I'd say, I don't, eh, I'm not good enough to win money. I don't want to go play in that. Are there going to be sticklers for the rules? Like I could play with some douchebag. Like I don't want to be a part. And then you go play in an event and you realize, okay, this is kind of fun. It's harmless. There's a little bit of anxiety that comes with it. Sure. On an opening tee shot or a, a birdie putt to try and win a skin. But then you, you, that feeling kind of becomes addictive to a certain extent of like, this oh, is totally. fun to have something on the line totally. instead of just playing with my buddies with a 12-pack of Coors Light in the back of the cart. Like, I love doing that still, but mixing in this other kind of golf, I think for people, it's just getting on the dance floor and ripping the Band-Aid off. And once you do and you realize, okay, nobody's laughing at me or making fun of me, I, I think once you, once you do it once, you're never going to go back. It's funny that as golfers, we basically – think like a middle schooler. <laughs> you know, like, is that <laughs> we good? totally that do. Yeah. yeah. And, and I also think, are we as discerning in other areas of our life as we are with golf? If I asked you to let's go get beers at this place, are you going to be like, Oh, I don't know, man. What kind of beer do they have there? Are, like where, where are the TVs? Are like, do they have any good porters? I don't know. What, what's like, on the menu? Not, we would never do that. But no. with golf, like you said, I mean, and not even just the competition part, but People even ask, wait, where is it? Okay. What's the weather going to be like? Granted, we don't <laughs> want to play in pouring rain, but we just start to like psychoanalyze all these little details instead of just jumping in, man. Like, let's go relax. Like <laughs> it's not that big a deal. So I was just curious in talking with Charlie and you and I go back and forth about this all the time, about little things that we can do to break down the barriers to just jumping in and getting out and going and playing. It just feels like a lot of golfers, ourselves included, right? We've had those moments where we think about it too much and it just, it turns into paralysis by analysis. 100%. You don't want to be that way on the golf course and you don't want to be that way off the golf course, right? Just go have fun, jump in. And I love the note there from Charlie too. And this is a good, it's a reminder even just to tie into Northwest golf guys. I know we've talked about them now a lot on this episode, but the fact that, you know, the average golfer on their spark leagues are shooting 48s, 49s, 50s. Like that's where you're at. Like I know a lot of golfers that are in that range. 
And I know, you know, when I show up to Northwest Golf Guys events, there's a lot of guys that are in that. And not everybody out there shooting a 74, you know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah, those people are there, sure, but they're in their own little handicap classification, and you're not competing against them. So if you shoot a 48, you still got a chance to go out and win some money. So I love that anecdote of, like, this is, we're all bogey golfers, man. This is, this we're just out here having a good time. Well, and also one thing I learned from Charlie about Spark that I didn't know is that some people legitimately play in their events and don't even keep score. They're just there for the party. <laughs> they're having a good time. Man. I just think that's awesome. I mean, yeah. like, and, and the, the cost that's above and beyond just a regular green fee is pretty minimal. The dollars that go into the, the competitive part that I could be trying to earn back, I'll just chalk that up as the cost of playing with people in a fun environment. Yeah. And so they don't even really care at all what their score is. So, yeah, I mean, if the averages are like kind of that bogey golfer, there's a ton of people that are way even beyond that where they're not even putting out or they're not worried about it at all. And yeah. and they're good at matching people up with with people of similar ability. So it's pretty there's a pretty good chance that you'll land with someone that is in your wheelhouse. And um, so I just think that it's fun to think about ways that you can just break down the barriers. There's your lesson of the day. Jump in, say yes to opportunities, whether it be spark golf or something else. Put is yourself another, out is there. Another t-shirt? That is right. Yeah. Put yourself out there on the golf course, right? There's, there's our new, there's our new slogan. Uh, Last one on this episode uh, that I wanted to tease and you and I have been talking about this a lot off the air. So we have an idea for listeners that, you know, we kind of want to, you had a a former, I guess, classmate at at the university of Oregon, reach out to you and invite you out to go play golf. And he had kind of heard the podcast and he was like, that's right. Eric Peterson, he reached out and you went out and played golf with him. I had a member at Persimmon, who sent me a DM at, uh, on Instagram and was like, Hey man, I just stumbled on the pod and really enjoying what you're doing. Let's get out and play. So we, we kind of want to translate this into having opportunities to play with our listeners because we've had a lot of fun putting this together. So you had the idea and we want to start executing it next week's going to be a little crazy because there's a certain uh, circus coming to town. So we're not going to do it next week, but something to keep an eye on the week after the 4th of July, what Eric and I are going to do now, I, do we want to do East Moreland or do we want to do somewhere else? We want to start with our OG home course. Yeah, let's start there. Okay. All right. We'll start at East Moreland. So the week after 4th of July, we're going to set a tea time on a, on a date and a time that works for the two of us. And we're going to tweet out at Grip City Golf when that, the date that it's going to be played and the time of the tea time. And the first two people that respond to the tweet, those third and fourth spots are yours and you can come play golf with us and be underwhelmed by our golf games. And uh, we can drink some beers and enjoy the sunshine. But we just, I, I think, you know, to something we've talked about off the air, having a chance to get out, meet some of you guys, play some golf. I I'm really excited about that. You brought that idea up and I love it. So week after 4th of July, let's go tear up East Moreland. What do you say? So what, so what do we need to do? We need to listeners need to set up a Twitter alert so that when we tweet that, <laughs> right. they get like the first notification. Is that how we're going to do it? First come, first serve. I don't know when this, we're going to set this round, what date it's going to be, what time it's going to be. It obviously has to work. I have a little more flexible uh, schedule than you with no kids and not a real job. So I have a little more time on my hands than you do. So we'll kind of work around your schedule for that week at, you know, after the 4th of July, but we'll get out and play. I, yeah. Set the alerts and come play golf with us, man. And this won't be the only one. We're going to do this again throughout the course of the summer into July and into August and all that. But this will just be the first one to get out to East Moreland. I hope that your brother and my brother aren't the first two to respond. <laughs> that wouldn't be as fun. So maybe yeah. we need to put some fine print in there that we have the authority to actually choose who it is. Are we going to say that? Because yeah. we don't want people to think that 
if they're the first because they're all over it and they jump on it and then are we going to say, well, actually, we, we reviewed your profile and we don't actually want to play with you. We're not going to do that. But I will no. say that if it is my brother or your brother, God love them both. But yeah, Sam and Andy, stay away from that tweet. Damn it. We, we just want, like you said, dirt. And I totally agree. We want to create kind of a, an opportunity to get out and, and meet folks that are nice enough to listen to what we're doing, get to know them a little bit more. Cause we just, we love to play golf. We love to meet new people. And so we thought this was a good platform to do that. Absolutely. So keep an eye on that at Grip City Golf. And uh, buddy, that'll do it for this week. You got anything? Did I forget anything? Anything on the docket I, that you want to like get to? All I'll say is like the next time you guys hear from us, it's going to be probably something recorded out at Pumpkin Ridge. Hopefully our credentials are legitimate. We <laughs> we heard back that we're, we're in the door, but um, we don't get maced go- by a protester on the way in. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to seeing what that's all about. My eyes are going to be wide open. Like I said, I've been to a lot of tour events. And so I'm just going to be interested to see how it's the same as those, how it's different, how Portland kind of embraces it. Once people are there, it's probably going to be people who want to be there. Right. So it's going to be kind of protected from the people who don't want to be there or don't support it. I support golf in Portland. I support sports in Portland. And this new thing is pretty wild and crazy. And so I'm just, I'm really interested to see who's out there, what the vibe is, what the weather's going to be, what the course is going to look like. I know that Pumpkin Ridge kind of doesn't drain as well as other courses do, but now that we've had some hot weather, it'll probably be, I wouldn't be surprised if that's in tournament shape that you would see at the Corn Ferry event that's out there. So I'm just excited to see what that whole thing is about. And like I said, I'm going to absorb it. I'm going to take it in and we'll make sure and share our, our insights and thoughts from that once we're out there. Yeah, so that'll come up next week. And we got some other fun kind of local story interviews that are planned for the weeks to come that we'll see when we're going to get to those. But some really cool stuff in the hopper as I'm back from vacation, not going anywhere this summer. The weather's here. We're playing in some heat. The LIV's around the corner. It is officially the middle of golf season, and I'm fired up. And uh, that will do it, man. Episode 9 of the Grip City Golf Podcast. EP, I'll see you out at uh, Pumpkin Ridge next week, all right? all right? Sounds good, brother. Looking forward to it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Go give us a follow on social media at Grip City Golf. And until next time, go low. I hit it hard, man. So far.